Good afternoon, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome back to the next English podcast. And guess what? I am back in the Czech Republic. I am recording from my garden. I'm sitting in a sofa again, um, holding this device uh, that is commonly known as a recorder. And I thought that... Okay, by the way, that thing that you've just heard, that's um, a cock. Now, I know what you're thinking. Not, not that kind of cock, okay? Um, a cock is an animal. Uh, it's a bird, as far as I know. Um, and it's basically the father from a hen, yeah? And um, it's used to waking people up as well in some places. And my neighbor has got a cock. <clears throat> Sometimes uh, they call that thing a rooster as well. So, right, I hope I did not discourage you from listening to this episode. We're not going to talk about cocks here or anything of this sort. It, this episode was supposed to be so, a sort of a summary or... Um, some sort of a recap of what has just happened um, in my life, like the previous month, I mean. What happened in July? Because now it's August, and July was pretty action-packed for me. And I think, you know, when um, a lot of things happen, it's worth uh, recording an episode about, because I think you might be interested in... Uh, hearing um, what happened, basically. So, yeah, um, I think you already know from the previous episodes that I was in England. I was there um, working for a language school. I was um, a, an English teacher, obviously, because that's who I am. Um, I teach English. So how I actually got there, how did this all come about. How I got there, well, by plane, of course, but what I mean is, how did this all happen? Well, basically, as you know, this had been my lifelong dream, and I had been banging on about this for as long as I can remember, um, and I think I was getting a bit frustrated that it, it wasn't as easy as I envisaged it uh, what, what do I mean? Well, getting somewhere and working there as an English teacher somewhere abroad. Yeah, because it is a painful experience to actually look for a job abroad. It, I think it is a painful experience um, anyway. Like, even if you're looking for a job in your own country, it's just something that I don't enjoy doing, to be honest with you. I prefer if things are laid out in front of me and I don't have to do much other than just do my job. But this is not how it works, as you know. So, basically, it was, um, I think, at the turn of the month, um, at the very beginning of July, that I wrote um, a bit of a disheartened or disenfranchised comment on my Facebook wall saying that I was looking for a job and I don't know what to do and I'm frustrated. And if anybody has got any tips or any suggestions on what to do next, basically. And um, what happened was that one of the people, 
well, people were generally helpful and understanding and basically came up with a lot of ideas where I should go, maybe sometimes where I shouldn't go, and so on and so forth. And one of the people actually made it happen for me. That was uh, Kathy, who, hap who happens to be um, uh, an English woman, and she used to be my Delta tutor. As you know, I did my Delta module 2 last year, and she was my teacher for two months. And we kind of got on, and we also have like played some board games in Prague several times, so I think we got a good relationship and she was feeling helpful. And she um, had recently seen a post um, asking for an English teaching job. And this post was written by her ex-student, another ex-student, not me. And so, well, you know, she just said that I could try and answer that advert. And so I did. And you know what? Well, they were desperate to get a teacher because several teachers had let them down. Um, and so, you know, they after me sending them the CV and doing the initial interview, it seemed like we found a, a mutual understanding that I would be the right person for, for them to have on board. And, you know... Um, and it happened. I um, it was all a bit too quick for my liking because I think it was on. When was this? I'm I'm sorry if I'm wrong, but I think it was on Wednesday. On Wednesday morning, that I found out that I was going to England to work there as a teacher for a month. And actually, if I'm not mistaken, I was supposed to fly the next day and I did fly in the end I was super hectic um, they asked me to fly the next day so I had to pack my bags and get there as soon as I could which meant that my um, air ticket was extremely expensive my plane ticket was more than 200 pounds a return ticket that's that's just a ripoff really so I did I did it anyway, because, to be honest with you, I wasn't going there for money. I thought that I would do this for getting experience, really. And it's a good thing to have on CV that you have worked in England. So, yeah, I um, I flew there on the 4th of July. Isn't this a famous date, something like the Day of Independence or something like that? I think it is. Um, and... The the ticket was expensive. I flew with EasyJet, you know, one of those um, low-cost airlines. And, yeah, the flight was all right. Nothing too complicated. Oh, I should mention that I packed I packed a lot of board games with me. So it was about eight board games um, because, you know, during the interview I mentioned, I mentioned that um, this is my speciality, actually. You know, this is something that makes me stand out, that I play board games. And they thought it was actually an interesting idea because, you know, I was about to teach some kids. And, uh, you know, kids generally like board games and games. 
And um, so, you know, that's what happened. Um, I packed the board games, the, the, those that I thought would be most suitable for an English cl class, and um, I set off to England. Actually, the job was in Wembley, uh, which is known for its stadium. It is actually the most important stadium in England, I think. And that's where international matches of England fo English football team um, are played. And also there is like the FA Cup semi-final and the finals is played there. Are played there, so uh, that's where I was. I had been there before, but never like this. So um, Wembley is in London. In case I haven't mentioned that, so I was there, and um, I arrived actually on. I think it was. Hang on a second. I think I made a, I may have made a mistake. Actually. The interview was, I think, on Thursday, yeah? But I was flying on Wednesday night to be able to get to Wembley and teach Thursday morning lessons. That's right. And I only arrived to the, the accommodation at 3 a.m. 3 a.m. You know, that's kind of late. And I went to bed... Um, at 4 a.m. And then I was waking up at 8 a.m. So I didn't have much sleep. And the night before that, I slept only two hours because I was so excited about this. And, you know, so what happened was that two nights, six hours. That's something that I don't normally do, you know. It's a bit tough to just not to sleep at all. Basically, the first night I just tossed and turned. I couldn't fall asleep. I was a case of insomnia. And the second night, I just... There was no time to sleep. Because I arrived, like I said, I arrived at 3 a.m. And, you know, I was given the key and chips for opening the door. And it was... Um, the place was called Victoria Hall. Basically, we're talking about Hall of Residence, you know, for students... Uh, that study at a college because the language schools the language school was at a college in Wembley I think I, I forgot the name but it was just right next to the it's the college right next to the Wembley Park tube station in case you're interested in um, like googling it or something um, and the, the accommodation was called Victoria Hall and it's basically like a dorm you know for students and I had a ensuite room so there was a bathroom little bathroom and um, the bed it was like double bed really it was a small double bed just for me that was nice and uh, you know I just crashed really the first night and then I woke up and I was supposed to be teaching some classes uh, in the morning and uh, assessing students because new groups of students were coming in uh, most of the students were actually from Italy. About 70% of the students I taught were from Italy. Different groups from Italy. Um, each group had their um, group leader. There was a person from Italy who was able to speak speak English and um, communicate with the people from the language school. 
and just look after the look after their kids you know and so me i was a teacher of course like i said but that was not the only teacher there was also Miguela, that was the first person I was introduced to. And she was also a live-in, like me. A live-in, that means that we were living in, that was part of our contract. We were living in the, basically, the, the venue or the, the place of the language school. Because there were some other people who were live-outs, who just commuted to work. But we were living there, and it was in our contract that we would have the accommodation... Uh, inclusive really yeah uh, just just as the food you know so that was nice but um, there was some downside to it too because we were supposed to do a lot of work um, um, bes- uh, besides teaching but you know it it is what it is or it was what it was if I may say so and so the first person I met was um, Miguela and uh, I think you know Miguela from the episode that I recorded about one month ago because she was the first person to be on the podcast uh, um, in July, basically. So, um, you know, that was nice. And then um, also Marzena came from Poland. Um, Miguela was, or is still, I hope she's alive. <laughs> um she is English, and then Martina came, a Polish girl. Again, there is one interview with Martina. In case you're interested, it features also two Russian students who um, came in and um, appeared on the podcast um, unexpectedly. So the three of us, we were the, like the main, the core teachers there because we were the live-ins. There were also some other teachers, like live-outs. One of them was Brenda from Mexico. There was Mike. Um, an English uh, teacher, and um, I don't want to forget about someone. Yeah, there were others. We had a director of studies, um, also abbreviated as DOS, or it's an acronym, yeah, DOS, director of studies, and uh, his name was Emil, and he is from Poland, Um and he was our director of studies. He taught some of the lessons too, but mostly he was like overseeing our work, really. Just, you know, making sure that we are doing what we are supposed to be doing. And, you know, so the first week, I have to say, was a bit tough because um, there was a lot of information for us to take in, you know. And they told us this is what always happens, like with the new staff. Uh, there is always a bit of struggle just to get to grips of uh, get to grips with um, the the system they have there and just to learn how things are run in the place really it was not easy i have to say i struggled i especially struggled because um some of the things didn't make sense at the beginning but you know it all just needed some time and I think partly there were problems because what happened was that they took on um, people like us um, at last moment uh, and there was no time to prepare. We didn't even have an induction, which, would, which we would normally have, but um, 
basically what happened was they were suddenly short of staff because several people let them down uh, several people that they had a prior ag agreement with um, just didn't turn up for the job and so they had to do with us and we were sort of an emergency staff for them really so I understand what happened there but it the bottom line is that it, it didn't make it easier for us because sometimes I felt like we didn't have enough information but like I said it was just the first week and it just needed some time I mean teaching wise I think I think I did all right you know I was like teaching good lessons we we plan we planned the lessons and because I really wanted to do well I made sure that I planned the lessons properly so I might not plan as thoroughly as I did there here in the Czech Republic but I did so there because I did want to leave a good impression because I think first impressions they should always be good um, because they count um, a lot anyway um, we were teaching in the morning um, two 90-minute classes in the morning and then two 90-minute classes in the afternoon and then um, there was a group of Russian students that came in later and they asked for an extra class as well I think this was probably because they heard that we are so good and you know they just didn't want to miss out on the opportunity to have even more classes with us so they asked for extra classes so what could happen uh, is that in a day we would teach six 45-minute classes, sometimes seven. And that was not all that we had to do. We were supposed to also do something that was called um, lunch and dinner duties, which basically meant that we were standing in a corridor um, um, in the entrance to a canteen and... Um, letting the children go basically because you know what would happen is that when the groups came everybody was just running to rushing to get the even the Russians were rushing that's right uh, to get their lunch and dinner everybody hungry and and you know they, there would be no rhyme and reason to it, it, it they would just uh, too many people would get in and there was not enough space there was like a narrow passage and people and that's where people were also like um taking their um their dishes after they finished their lunch and dinner so it had to be organized right and this is what we were doing but the problem was that there was a lot of a lot of time um spent on this and we had to stand there for one, sometimes two hours. And imagine teaching in the morning, then doing this, then barely having time for eating, and then again teaching in the afternoon, and then again in the evening, dinner. So basically, you got, you were exhausted after this. You know, uh, you could you could barely have any free time for yourself. And then in the evening, sometimes we had. Um, evening activities to be fair that was not too bad because i played football with the kids for instance and just had good time generally but the point is like we had to be on our feet from 
let's say, 8 in the morning till 7.30 in the evening, sometimes 10 in the evening, and then you would just um, go to bed because you were extremely exhausted. Basically, um, you know, this was a bit tough. Uh, it was a lot of workload, and I'm not used to that. But, you know, there were some positives as well. Uh, the the most important positive was that it was work in England, and who can say that they have worked as an English teacher in England? Um, I'm speaking about non-native speakers. That that's a challenge, and I've always wanted to take on a challenge like this. So I think, you know, whatever it took, like I was ready to do it, and okay, I may have been a bit frustrated at start, but. Later, it kind of all settled, and uh, you know, it's it's set it's set in, and we we were working our asses off, but it was, you know, it was good work, and I think it was the same for Martina and Miguela, and we were kind of we had the closest relationship there, really, like of all the people. It, it was not just us and the teachers and Emil. Our DOS, but we also had um, some activity leaders, and the main manager there that was uh, Jason from Ireland. The activity leaders were from different places. There was an, a French girl, there were some Irish guys, I think there were a few English as well. Um, you know, it was, it was interesting, definitely interesting, and um. Sometimes we had to be the activity leaders ourselves, but that was that was usually rare. It only happened at um, at the weekend on Saturday. We did have the Sunday off, so I managed to see some of my friends uh, with whom I recorded uh, podcast episodes. Uh, so notably, it's been um, Russian, um, aka uh, no. That's not the way I was supposed to say it. Notably, it was uh, Mark, a.k.a. Russian. Uh, we spoke about education in England. Um, I think you remember this episode, um, which was published about a month ago. Then, of course, of course, I met with Luke Thompson. And that was the episode 185 about Luke's criminal past. So in case... You missed that one. Make sure you tune in for this episode because I think it is a real gem and worth listening to. So, um, yeah, um, on Sunday or Saturdays, like I said, we were supposed to go to Oxford or London sometimes and other places as well. But I went to Oxford and I was supposed to be a tour guide. That was not easy because, to be honest with you, if you haven't done it, you don't really know what you are letting yourself into. Um, and, you know, I managed in the end, but it was a bit tough. Anyway, 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 I think this company was quite nice. It was run by, uh, it's run by Irish. It's, its name is MLI. And I'm really proud to have worked for them. However, it feels like they were a little bit short of staff. It felt like they needed more people there. 
I don't know why, but this is what, what it felt like. Now, the lessons. Let me tell you a bit about the lessons. So I was teaching like 70% of the students were Italian. Then there were like 25% Russians. And later we had even some Chinese. Um, I have got a lot of experience teaching different nationalities. So for me, this was nothing new. And I think I think I got on well with my students. I did. I prepared good lessons. They were student-centered lessons, which I haven't always done in the past. So I was quite glad that I managed to plan the lessons in this kind of way. Mostly the lessons were focusing on speaking. I always chose a topic, and then um, I would build a re- lesson around that topic making sure that students get enough speaking. So I would do a lot of pair work, group work, and other activities in which students talk to each other a lot. There was one activity which was speed dating. I'm extremely proud of preparing that one because that went down, that went down really well. I thought, I thought it was a great lesson. Also, as you know, I had a lot of board games with me, and it wouldn't be me if I didn't manage to uh, implement some of my favorite techniques of board gaming into my classes. And again, this was a massive success. Um, I have to say that all the students loved my board games, and I think the appeal of board games is that they are authentic, they look nice, and it's just something the students don't or are not used to, and it's something new and they just it's just mind blowing when you get a teacher who is doing things differently sometimes it feels like you're going against the the mainstream or something the students they really they really appreciate this you know so i i did have great success with the board games and i was trying to plan the lesson so that lessons so that we wouldn't just play board games obviously the there is um some negatives about this and that's when you explain the board games it sometimes takes a long time to do so and that's not how you should teach a lesson but i think for the future i will try to learn uh, to do this differently more effectively um so that's the that's the board games in my lessons um i have to say that in the end I have to say that at the end of this, um, I have to say that I, when I was giving uh, the evaluation by my DOS, my director of studies, he mentioned the board games as as my biggest asset, basically, and he's, he he said that he, he he really valued how I brought a new thing to the table, basically, the board games. So and he he asked me to come back next year, um, so that that was that felt really uh, good, you know. I I was proud that I'd done a good job uh, because you know it's always nice if your boss tells you that um, you did well and you know and that you you can come back and that's exactly what happened and. Um, um, I'm glad. I'm glad. Um, um, you know. So, okay. What else can I talk about? I think I should mention my 
trials and tribulations with the phone. Um, <laughs> okay, so there is one thing actually um, that I have to mention, and that's um, my phone. I had a phone. Most people have phone these days, right? So that shouldn't be a surprising fact. And about five days into uh, this summer, I wanted to say holiday, but it wasn't really much of holiday. It's it was far from holiday to be honest. With you. My working, what what should I call it? My working experience. So into five days of this working experience, um, my phone got water damaged. How did this happen? Basically. Um, after an exhausting day at work, uh, after dinner, I was supposed to go to a, um, a place where we would do the evening activities. And because they knew I played football, um, they basically asked me to bring um, a bag with all the sports equipment and uh, play football with the kids. However, that day it was raining. It was raining heavily. We went anyway, because we thought, you know, sometimes when it rains in England, it subsides quickly, it, it you know, doesn't last long. However, this time it did, and I made a terrible mistake. I put my phone in the bag with the... Um, I think I put it in some sort of a plastic bag as well, with the, with the balls, with all the sports equipment. However... There was some sort of a problem because with the booking, with the booking of the football pitch. And then I put the bag somewhere just for the time being and I left it outside for about five minutes. And when I came back and looked at the phone, it started making weird noise. And um, basically it was like the phone was buzzing or something, but it wouldn't, it wouldn't show the screen. And that then... We didn't even play football. That was the funniest part. We didn't even use those balls and the sports equipment because it rained so heavily that they just told the kids to go inside a classroom and play games instead. But the point is, my phone was then buzzing the entire night and then it just switched off in the morning. I did put it in rice because that's what I was recommended to do, but that didn't help because if you put the your phone in rice after it gets after water gets into it or um, maybe that sentence didn't make much sense, did it? Basically, what I was trying to say is that this this putting your phone in rice is one of the ways you can handle your phone water damaged because it should soak up the the wetness, rice, I don't know how it does it, but anyway, it didn't help, okay? So I had to find a solution in the morning. I needed my phone. I, you know, these days, um, phone is part of who we are. It's, it's like another limb, really. Can you imagine not having a phone? I, I can't. So I went to a, a place where... I was told that they could fix the phone for me. It's one of those dodgy places with a lot of phones and people claiming they can fix your phone. I wasn't too confident about that. I wasn't too sure whether I should do it, but I was really desperate. 
so I didn't really have a choice. I went in and asked how much it would cost for them to repair the phone for me. And they said it would be £30. However, I, I would have to buy a, a screen, you know, because apparently the board was working, but the screen was, um, was basically dead. I changed my mind because I thought it would be very expensive. And I bought um, something that I would I can only call crap phone instead. And the crap phone means that it's very cheap. Uh, it's not wasn't that cheap. It was about forty pounds, but it was the cheapest they had. Just I just wanted something to survive and just to f- survive in England really. And I I thought I would fi- have the phone fixed later on or. At least I I wanted more time to to make the decision what to do next. Because I wasn't sure what I was supposed to do next. Um, So I bought this shit phone, yeah. In a place called Carphones. Something like that. Carphone Warehouse, I think it is called, yeah. And five minutes after that, I went into a Poundland shop. Because Miguela asked me to to buy... um, um, air dryer. What is an air dryer? Maybe I am. I is it called air dryer? I think it is. Basically, this is where you would hang your clothes after you wash them, because Michaela didn't want to use the tumble dryer. I did use the tumble dryer, but not Michaela. She preferred hanging their clothes on a on an air dryer. So I bought that for her. It's like a plastic thing that you put. Uh, hang your clothes over, and it it, it dries them, because, you know, it was quite hot in the first days of the, of this um, month, it got much worse later, yeah, it got much worse, it was cold and raining all the time, cats and dogs, and whatnot, but anyway, let's get back to what I was talking about, um, so I went to this Poundland shop here. Yeah, that's where you buy it. now. Actually, hang on a minute. I think I am confusing two things together. This was I bought this one in Welco, which is a shop where you can buy like DIY stuff and um, air dryer as well. And then I went to Poundland shop because that always fascinates me. You can buy anything you want for one pound, and often it's very good things, quality things, and things that you need and and sometimes you wouldn't get these things for the same price in your own country it would be maybe three times four times as expensive so it always fascinated me and I think what I did was that I accidentally I accidentally left my phone that's what I thought happened because when I came out of the shop I couldn't see the phone I didn't have it in my pocket anymore so I I thought that I had accidentally left it in the shop I went back spoke to the security guy and I almost thought that I knew where exactly I left the phone like there was a place where I thought I'd left it because you know I was looking at something and then I put the phone on there but he couldn't find it so what I thought was that somebody had stolen it 
And the security guard was really trying to be helpful and obliging and very nice, but he didn't help me in the end. So I was going home feeling very, very miserable after buying a new phone. To be frank, it was just a 40-pound phone. But basically, I was feeling so miserable that I had managed to lose the phone just after five minutes of having it. Can you imagine? Yeah, that was just 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 pure ordeal. You know, it was torture. So I get my phone water damaged. Yeah, lose my good phone. Then I buy a new one and lose it in five minutes. How how do you think I felt there? Only to find out that I had put the fo- only to get home. Yeah, and after one one hour, I search my bag thoroughly and I found the phone there so I thought I I'd been an idiot basically thinking that somebody had stolen it from me I was just so much under pressure so stressed from everything the first week that these things happened to me and I was basically imagining things you know I was like being delusional or something I don't know anyway I got the phone I I had the phone and I was using it it was really bad, I have to say. It was slow and didn't work properly, but it 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 did it did its job. So that's why I bought it. I didn't really have any high expectations of it anyway. But this is not the end of the story with the phones. After two weeks, I decided that I had enough of the that shit phone, and I went to the place where. Actually, I ordered first the screen, the LCD screen, because I found it for a good price, about £20. And then I took that screen to the to the uh, repair service to have it fixed. And he, they fixed it for me. I had it there the second day. So in total, I paid £50 for the phone. And it was working. It was working all right. However, that's not the end of the story with the phone. With the phones. Um, five days later, guys, I was teaching in a classroom. And we had the chairs we had there, not just the teacher, but all the students, where the, you know, those chairs on, on, on wheels? The, I think we call it a swivel chair. It's like a chair you can sit on and you can rotate your entire body wherever, in, in every single possible direction. And I think it's called a swivel chair. So, what would happen is that sometimes we were so tired and lazy that we would just move in the chairs without standing up. Um, just move across the classroom in the chairs as if we were disabled or something. But what happened was that I dropped my phone, yeah? And then I drove over my phone. Um, and... I knew immediately that something happened to my phone when I heard the cracking sound. It was like... <coughs> I broke the display, guys. Not too badly, but... You know, I know it happens. It, it happens once in a while to everyone, yeah? But... It was a new display. <sighs> Later I found out... Uh, it was working... Regardless, it was working, so I was still using it. But later I found out that the f- something doesn't really work on that phone. 
the Wi-Fi. I couldn't connect to Wi-Fi. I could um, I could use the data from my operator, like the internet data, but I couldn't connect to Wi-Fi. I can't connect to to, to Wi-Fi from that phone anymore. And also, um, the front camera doesn't work, so I couldn't do selfies, <laughs> which is a pity, really, because I love doing selfies. No, actually, I I don't have I don't like doing selfies, guys. Um, I'm not one of those people, no. But it's nice from time to time to be able to take a photo and actually see, take a photo of yourself and actually see that you are there in the in the photo. Because if you use the the, the back camera, uh, you don't really see if you are there or not. So that's the phone problems. <laughs> I, I thought that's kind of funny. But you know, it, it's just it's just little little thing that marred the entire experience because overall it was great, you know, it was it was amazing. I learned a lot of new things. I came out of my comfort zone, but that's what mattered most, I have to say. It's a new challenge, you know. I, I wasn't doing anything really different from what I've been doing for the past six years, uh, including recording podcasts from time to time. Uh, the teaching was easy, you know. It was something that I know how to do. And also, I have to add the fact that I was preparing the lessons well, so I kind of enjoyed the lessons because they were well prepared. And students, they... Um, they always notice these things, so they were responding to me very well, and and um, I could feel that I was one of the best teachers there, really, which is always nice. I uh, I think partly it was because of the board games, because um, they really loved my board games, and they always wanted to play them, sometimes at the expense of learning new things, which is a risk that you have to uh, basically consider when you start using board games in your classroom. But, um, you know, I'm, I'm willing to take that risk because um, it's enjoyable to play board games. What board games did I play? Um, the board games that I find most you um, most appropriate for an English classroom are basically code names. One Night Ultimate Werewolf, Sheriff of Nottingham, um, Spyfall, Masquerade, Coop, and Snake Oil, and also Fun Employed. Okay, so these games involve a lot of speaking, and the students can learn the language of convincing and um, and so on. So you know, it it all turned out to be a great great experience, and I look forward to. Going back there, basically, I hope um, I hope nothing will change about their desire to have me back on board, and um, you know I think I did really well. And now the question is, what I will do next? That's that's a question because I don't know. You know, I might stay here now that I have kind of uh, satisfied the need to work abroad and I have tried it and I have it's been proven really that I can do this as a non-native teacher and do a really good job um, 
you know, it was I had this hypothesis that it is possible, although it is difficult because you have to prove yourself, you have to show them, you have to make extra effort as a non-native speaker. And I think I did what was required, and that's that's what matters in the end. So I, I hope I will be able to go back and repeat this. But the question is what will what I will do now really? Because like I said, I might I may stay here or I could sort of have a look at possible ads or contact some agencies and to find a job abroad. I have to say I love teaching Italians up to the point that I might even consider going to Italy and work there. The Italians are just wonderful people. They're really easygoing and it's it's just fun teaching them because they are so positive. Sometimes they do talk a bit too much in Italian during the lessons. That's because they are very chatty as well. Um, but, you know, you just have to um, have a firm hand and just, you know, not you mustn't let them talk too much in Italian. Just encourage them to, to talk English, to talk in English as much as you can and just be persistent and consistent and... Um, it is possible, you know, to to do a good job with Italians, and I might I might consider going to Italy, or I was thinking I could go to Germany maybe because that's not too far for me, or anywhere else where I am wanted basically, and um, you know this to go to go abroad is just broadens your horizons, it just makes you a better person, and. The fact that you have to go through some sort of struggle, you meet a lot of friends and you start having a higher self-esteem as well because you have done it, you know, you have managed. Not, It's not easy. It is a challenge. And I had a lot of sense of satisfaction towards the end of this, uh, especially after the evaluation I got from my boss. It has been fun, guys. And I'm I'm glad to have to have talked to you about this on the podcast. I'm glad uh, you've given me this opportunity to share my stories with you. And well, I don't mean just this episode, but also um, those that I posted on Facebook. No, those that I uh, published in the previous episodes. Sorry, I'm getting a bit tired already. I think I should stop talking basically and. Um, finish this this recording because there is also some sort of sound in the background uh, it's no longer the cockroach cockroach no cock it's no longer the cock the what's it called crooking sound crook no I think there is a sound that cockroach does and it has a name in English what does the cock say not a cockroach cock enough Enough, enough, enough. I have talked for long enough. I think I said what I wanted. Guys, if you enjoyed this episode, make sure you send me a comment or an email or uh, whatever you want. You can send me money too. Don't know how you would do that, but yeah, just, yeah, you can send me kisses and so on. Thank you very much for listening and for patience with me. Um, especially in the last few minutes. Um, um, Until next time. Bye.